Now, if you have your Bible tonight in Genesis 22, let's stand, if you would please, in reverence to the reading of the scriptures and the word of God. Again, I say thank you for the, all that you've done this week for each of us missionaries. It has been absolutely outstanding. It's been excellent. And my, had the Lord been good to us from the music to the testimonies and preaching and all that God's done. Now, tonight, I want to read just two verses of scripture, if you would please. Uh, let's go. We looked at Abraham and surrendered the other night in verse number one. And we looked at detail of that. But now let's go to verse number 3 and also verse number 10. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for a burnt offering and rose up and went to the place of which God had told him. Notice, if you would please, now in verse number 10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took a knife to slay his son. Now, our fathers, we bow before you tonight. I pray that you'll be with us. May you help us to deliver that which is upon our heart and that which the Holy Ghost of God has stirred us concerning this scripture. I would ask you to bless Dr. Cottle as he comes tonight. God, may you empower him. May you help him to be able to deliver the burden upon his heart. Thank you for our missions, a conference this week. My heart stirred my own heart. And God, I pray that even as pastor has mentioned the desire of his and the church that missionaries be called forth as a result of this meeting. Bless the missionaries that are here. God, may you give them their support. Now, dear brother, tonight, that's 52 or 55 percent. God, give him the balance of his support speedily, that he might be full-time in the work you've called him. Now, Lord, we look to you tonight, for we so desperately need you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We looked at Abraham in surrender the other night, and I want to combine a couple of things in the text and hope that I can uh, share with you a couple of other things that are vitally important to the life of Abraham. I enjoy uh, studying on characters in the Bible. It's one of the things that even as a young preacher has consumed me as I looked at various characters of the Bible, the patriarchs and those that God used and had his hand. I like seeing how the Lord used them, what the Lord did in their heart and their life to bring them to the place that they were fully surrendered and usable in the Lord's hand. Now tonight in our text, again, we looked at his surrender in verse number one where he said, here I am. And we looked at the difference between that statement and the statements found in two places in the text. Uh, for example, in verse number 11, where two words are, reserved, are reversed, and he says, here am I. And tonight, I want to look at Abraham in submission and sacrifice, and then in service and his supplies. And I believe all of these are a part of the missionary life. Uh, first comes the surrendered life, and then there must be submission. Without submission, surrender is really nothing. It doesn't mean anything at all until we are willing to submit and act out that which God has called us into. And so God gave uh, Abraham uh, his command before sunset and before sunrise. The Bible says early in the morning that he saddled his ass and he took his young men with him and of course Isaac. And so God gave him his command before sunset and before sunrise, Isaac and Abraham was out fulfilling the will of God. May I say to you that every word that God had spoken to Abraham stung in the heart and in his soul, and he could not shake the voice and the word of God. And we looked at the trials after these things that God tempted Abraham and how God allowed certain things to come into his life to move Abraham from where he is, from Ur of the Chaldees, 
He eventually went, as we looked to Haran, about 16 or 600 miles, and eventually down into the southern part of the Promised Land, a total of about 1,300 miles. And he went halfway and was halfway servant God. And God brought affliction into his life to move him on down as to where he ought to be. And we consider this matter. I want to say to you that the surrendered life calls for a submissive life. Without submission, surrender is void and vain and valid. You can come to the altar and surrender everything you have to God every day, every hour, every invitation, and every second of your life until you put feet to your prayers and submission to your surrender. Your surrender is not. And so we find that Abraham come to the place of submission. And submission requires action, if I may put it that way. I thought about what Mr. Orchard said. He said it takes a crucified church to take a crucified Christ to a world in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May I just say to you, my friend, that Abraham's sacrifice and his willingness to serve God was acted out in submission to the Lord. Now I want to look at his sacrifice, if I may, briefly tonight. The Bible says in verse number 10, And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and he looked, uh, took the knife to slay his son. Now we find that Abraham, he submitted to the will of God. And the Bible says and teaches us that his sacrifice was both personal, it was precious, and it was also a peculiar sacrifice. As we consider the matter, uh, we consider the sacrifices in the Bible. God himself made the first sacrifice recorded in the pages of God's eternal word. Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden and God took a lamb and shed its blood. Uh, he offered it as a sacrifice to cover the sin and the nakedness of Adam and Eve. And I've got news for you tonight. Not only did God make the first sacrifice in the Bible, he made the final sacrifice for the covering of the sin of man in the New Testament when Jesus, the Lamb of God, died on Calvary's cross and shed his blood and gave himself for the sin of all humanity. He gave the first sacrifice and the final sacrifice for the covering of our sin. Now, I've not seen it until studying and making preparation to this, and I preached off, as most of us preachers have, uh, Genesis 22 on a number of occasions. And I'm always looking at it from a fresh, fresh perspective. But notice, if you would please, in this passage of Scripture, the Bible says in verse number 2, And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and give thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And I've never looked at it from the perspective that the Holy Ghost of God stirred my heart in preparation for tonight. I always looked at it as God had called Abraham to sacrifice Isaac on the altar, and he did. But I never caught the type of sacrifice that he was to offer. There are several sacrifices in the scriptures. And the one that God had called for Abraham to offer Isaac up as was a burnt offering. And I believe it's significant in that text. I'll not uh, get into all of that tonight. But with the burnt offering, it was a voluntary offering. 
And I always looked at it, it was a command, but yet it was a voluntary offering and Abraham had to follow through with what God had required him to do. And may I say to you tonight, there were a part of the, uh, of the uh, offering of the sacrifice of the burnt offering where not only the priest was involved with it, but also we find the offerer of the sacrifice had certain steps and involvement in the burnt offering. And he would take and he would prepare the offerings uh, that would be burnt on the altar for the priest. And the offerer was involved in the sacrificial method and the process or the ceremony of the sacrifice. And it was a burnt offering. And so we find that Abraham not only was called and obedient to God in offering Isaac as a sacrifice, he actually was involved in the process of taking him and offering him as a burnt offering to the Lord through the process of all of this and draining his blood and going through the details of the ceremony and then making sure that in a burnt offering, all of the flesh was consumed. And it was a total offering, a total sacrifice where there was no way once the offering was given to take it back. May I say to you tonight that if you want to do something for God, you must first uh, surrender, then you must be willing to submit to the will of God and you must come to the place of being willing to sacrifice and give God your best. There were three things. I want to briefly cover this and I'll give you my last two thoughts here momentarily. But on the sacrifice, I want to look at three things very quickly. First, let's look at the person of the sacrifice. Take thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. He didn't call for Ishmael and, or a lamb. He didn't call for another type of sacrifice that's laid out in the Leviticus and the Levitical law for God's people. He called for Isaac. And Isaac was the promised seed. It was all the hope, it was all the future, the posterity and the promise of God himself that he would fulfill in the life of Abraham and the covenant he had made with him. And so when Isaac was laid on that altar, he was literally offering to God not only all the present, he was offering all of his future and he couldn't go back. And may I say to you this night and this evening that if you want to serve God, young man and young lady, you want to lay your life on the altar for God, lay it there and leave it there and let God take it as a sweet-smelling savor, as a burning sacrifice or burnt offering unto him. And then there was the place. It's not just that it was Mount Moriah, but it was a place that was a three-day journey. And that's where I want to emphasize tonight. It was a three-day journey. Can you imagine walking three days with Isaac by his side, the wood, the fire, the dagger in his hand, and Isaac looks at him and says, Father, I see the wood and I see the fire, uh, but where's the sacrifice? Three days, side by side, they walk. A long path as seconds turns into hours and hours turns into days. And for three days, he walked with him by his side. Can you imagine what must have been going through Abraham's mind and his heart? 
that as soon as I get to Mount Moriah, I'll take the wood that's in our hand, I'll take the sacrificial dagger, and I'll set fire, and I will, after I've prepared Isaac as a, a burnt offering to the Lord, I'll set fire, and he'll be consumed before God. Yes. You say, preacher, what are you trying to get at? Let me get there quickly. What I'm trying to say tonight is if had it been you and I in most cases today, in three days would have talked herself out of it. Yes, this really ain't the will of God. I believe I missed it. And Abraham walks three days with Isaac by his side. The fire is burning in his hand. The wood is there for the sacrifice. And Isaac is there as an ever reminder that God has called him in full surrender and submission, and sacrifice. Then the process. I'll not go through the details of the ceremony tonight, but he would prepare the offering, drain his blood, cut up the body, and set fire to the wood. And as Isaac would carry the wood and as Abraham would carry the fire, as Isaac himself would be the sacrifice that would lay on that altar. It was a constant reminder that he was giving it all to God. Yes. To Abraham, Isaac was a sacrifice, but to God, he was an offering of obedience. Yes, sir. I remember a lady in Mountain Home, Idaho, I was preaching a conference several years ago she was on a fixed income and she came to me and said, Brother Ellis, I really would wish that you would join with us in prayer. My husband and I are on fixed income and we're praying about what God wants us to give to missions. But every single penny we have is budgeted. And she said, I'd like for you to pray with me that God would allow me to know what his will is concerning our missions offering. And we want to give sacrificially, but if we give anything at all, it's going to be a huge step of faith. I said, well, I'll pray with you, but you need to counsel with your pastor. She said, I did, and he told me to come to you. I always point people back to the pastor. I prayed with her. That was on a Friday. On a Saturday night, we had an international meeting and gave about a 20-minute challenge on missions. Came in for the Sunday morning service to get ready to close out the missions conference. She come running through the door and her husband is tagging behind her. She said, Brother Ellis, Brother Ellis, Brother Ellis, just a minute. Said, I got something to tell you. Said, you won't believe what God did. I said, well, tell me, sister. I want to hear it. And she said, you know, we was praying about uh, faith promise missions, what the Lord had laid on our heart to give to missions. I said, yes, ma'am. I said, we prayed. And she said, you won't believe what happened. Said, we got ready to come to church this morning. We're backing out of the driveway. And I told my husband, wait a minute, we hadn't checked the mail this week. And so she said, I got out, got the mailbox, got her mail. And I'm walking to the car, going through the mail. And she said, there's a letter from the Social Security Services. Said, my heart stopped in its tracks. She's thinking, boy, here we are. We're wanting to give to missions. We wanted to increase and give by faith and give sacrificially. And here I have a letter from the Social Security office and no doubt they're getting ready to make some adjustments on my income. And uh, so she opened the letter as her husband's driving to church and she read it out loud to him and called her by name and said, we have reevaluated your income and we have determined, we have made a mistake on your Social Security and what you're supposed to receive. 
And she said, boy, my heart stopped because I knew it was getting ready to have a reduction. She said, I read on it said, uh, however, we want to inform you that as we considered your social security, we realized we've made a mistake and you're supposed to be getting more than you've been getting. And here is your adjusted income. She said, Brother Ellis, glory to God. It was everything we prayed about giving the missions. And she said, can you believe it? God gave us 50 cents more. He bought us a Coca-Cola on top of it. Now I want to say something right there tonight. And I may not get to my last thought. I want to give you something tonight. Is your God so broke he can't even buy a Coca-Cola? Now I'm for sacrifice. Don't get me wrong. If you want to sacrifice your Happy Meals at McDonald's, well, you're going to have to the way the prices are going up. You need a steak meal cheaper than you can buy McDonald's almost anymore. And I remember the day when going to McDonald's was a big thing. In fact, it was a treat. It was a sacrifice. Almost everybody in America needed McDonald's. And I'm for sacrifice. Give up your Happy Meals. Give up your Coca-Colas. Do what you want. God bless his sacrifice. But is your God so broke he can't even provide a Coca-Cola and a Happy Meal for your children? Is he that broke? Is he? You say you're trying to make me feel bad. No, I'm just trying to get you to think. He owns a cattle of a thousand hills, all that is. He owns it all, even you and I tonight, and all you and I have. And he is able to provide all of our needs. Someone had said, David Livingston, he wrote in his journal one day, he said, is that a great sacrifice which I've made serving my God, in essence, on the foreign field? People talk of my sacrifice. He said, that's not a sacrifice. Can that be called a sacrifice where I have served God and souls are converted and it's the joy of my life away with the word as a sacrifice? It's no sacrifice. It is a joy to serve God in that capacity. And if I had it to do over a million years, I'd serve the 35 and a half years I've been in mission so far and many, many more. Robert Moffat came in from the mission field. He spoke of the thousand fires burning and the smoke ascending up in the villages and those without the gospel. He came to his home church. He preached from Proverbs chapter 8, verse 4, Unto you, O men, I call. And when he got to the services that night, his text was, Unto you, O men, I call. It was to challenge men. But when he got there, there was not a single man in the auditorium. Nothing but ladies. He said, I was going to change my text, but God wouldn't let me. He stood that night and preached, unto your men I call. He gave his challenge to missions. But unbeknownst to him, in the attic of the church was a young man pumping the billows for the pipe organ. And that night, that man in that attic bowed on his knees and said, God, I'll endeavor to be that man. I'll give my life to you and I'll sacrifice and surrender. I'll do whatever you want me to do. That man in that attic that night pumping the billows of that organ was David Livingston. To fulfill the Great Commission requires submission and sacrifice. 
Then if I may, let me give you very quickly tonight, Abraham and service. The Bible talks about that he came to the place which God had told him of. And of course, you know the story. He went to offer Isaac. He bound him. He laid him on the altar upon the wood. His service is a testimony of a life surrendered to God. Each trial and circumstance moved him closer to the will of God and fulfilling his life. He was 75 when he left Haran in Genesis 12. He was 86 when Hagar bore Ishmael in Genesis 16. He was 100 when Isaac was born and God called him home at 175 years of age. And for 100 years, Abraham served his God. What a life, what a testimony that we could live our whole life or a hundred years and look back and have a testimony. We serve God to the fullest all of our lives. It's not how we start that counts, it's how we finish. There are a lot of preachers, missionaries, Christians that started out well, but they didn't end well. Abraham's life can be classified as him being a friend of God. In three texts, the Bible records that. He was also had great communion with God. Then I want to look quickly tonight at his supplies. In the text, the Bible says in verse number 13, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Notice, if you would, please, then this passage of Scripture that Abraham is there. He has Isaac on the altar, on the wood, and he's getting ready to sacrifice him. But wait a minute. Just in time, God shows up. And that's the way he does. God always shows up. Sometimes it's the last minute. Sometimes in the last hour. Sometimes in the last second. But God always shows up. And he always meets the need. His seed's never found begging bread. He still owns a cattle of a thousand hills and he's still able to give water from great depths and God's able to feed his children even in a wilderness journey in this walk of life. Great demands, great service requires great supplies. He lifted up his eyes. He saw God's supply. He called it Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. The Lord our provider. What a tremendous testimony to the supply of God. It is said that Joseph, during the famine of Egypt and throughout the land, that he had ordered servants to cast grain into the Nile and it'd float down to those below and they'd get it and he did that so that those below would know there's plenty from above. You know, there's plenty above. Isn't it wonderful sometimes when God just gives us a little handfuls on purpose to remind you and I, he's still on the throne. He's still able to provide and he can still protect and God still has it all in his hand. I was in a black church many years ago. I suppose it's been about 30, maybe 32 years ago, Miss Ellis and I. I'll give you a brief testimony of this, a couple of things and I'll be done. We went there to that church that morning and it was a tremendous church. Now, I'm just going to say this tonight. We got there. I've been on to Peggy. When she got up that morning, she had a black dress on with white polka dots, small white polka dots. And she's dressed out mostly in black. 
We got to that church and the pastor's wife and all the deacon's wives sat in the corner, what we would call the old amen benches in the front of and they all had on white. White dresses, white hats, white gloves, white stockings, white shoes. I mean, they were decked out in white. And they asked Miss Ellis, come up here and sit with us. You're the guest preacher's wife. And so she stuck out like a sore thumb in the midst of all of those ladies. And boy, they was right in the middle of the service with it. But uh, when they got time for the offering that morning, they took it up the most unusual way. They took a big wicker basket like this and uh, they uh, stuck it up there in front and they said, now everybody stand. And they were putting all their heart and soul into it and they sang a song. Now, I'm not gonna sing it tonight, amen? But I'm gonna read it tonight. I wrote the lyrics down. I wanted to be sure I had them. And it's entitled, You Can't Beat God's Given. And they were rejoicing in the offering. Says you can't beat God's given no matter how hard you try. And of course they're swaying everywhere while they're singing, putting a lot of soul into the song. And says the more you give, the more he keeps giving. So just keep on giving because it's really true. You can't get, beat God's giving no matter how hard you try. And they'd have that basket, they'd line up down the way. They'd come down a singing and a swaying and they'd drop their offering in and they'd sing on the way back to the pew. And when it's all said and done, that usher would take it and lift it up to heaven and call out to the God of heaven to bless the offering that had been taken up that morning. What a way to take up an offering. May I say to you, you can step out by faith. You can surrender your life, young man, young lady, to God. Some of you are waiting on God to call you. I said to somebody the other day, they said, we're just waiting on a call. I said, what's your phone number? I'll call you. George Mueller, and I know you know this, said that he, God supplied for over 1.5 million for 9,975 orphans and over 50,000 prayers answered in his life. Yes. Now I want to close right here tonight. There's only three ways a church can increase its missions giving. Are you ready? There has to be some new involvement. There has to be those that have never been involved in missions that have to get involved and do something. Then there has to be some increased involvement. Those that have been involved have to be willing to trust God for more and step out by faith and increase. And then there has to be some renewed involvement. Those that for whatever reason have stepped back from it and are not involved in it have to be willing to step out and say, I believe God and I'm gonna step out and do it again. Yes. I was in a conference on the West Coast and a young teenager was in the church and he came to me and said, Brother Ellis, I made a commitment for $100 a month last year in missions. A month later, I taught myself out. I thought, that's foolish. Why did I, I'm a teenager. Why did I commit $100 a month to missions? He said, after I'd quit giving, about two months later, he said, my car that normally got two weeks to working back in school and back said I couldn't even get it three days. It ran out of gas. He took it to mechanics, had it checked, put a lock and gas cap, convinced somebody still in his gas, and uh, they couldn't find anything else. Said, there's nothing wrong with your vehicle. He said, I thought it's cheaper to give God his money than it is for me to rob him of what I promised him. He said, God's my witness. I started giving him $100 a month to missions and instantly my truck vehicle went back to two weeks on a tank of gas. That's the God we serve. And that's what this missions conference is all about. Not just money, but giving our life to him. If he has the heart and the life, he has it all.